get ready to strap in for another exciting episode of No Driving Gloves, where Derek, John, and Will will use over 75 years combined industry knowledge to bring you a bare-knuckled review on the collector car hobby. Let's get rolling. Thank you for joining us again for this episode of No Driving Gloves. The real gang is here this week. We've got everybody back. How's it going, Will and Derek? Man, I'm kicking like a pack of ninjas. Gracefully? No, no, there ain't no gracefully kicking around here. I'm just kicking. Mr. Derek? I'm doing good, doing good. I have no um, great, you know, phrases like Will has for for uh, how I'm doing, so, you know. That's, good is... I'd say that's kind of being a Yankee, isn't it? The Southerners have all the cool, cool phrases. That's true. They do know how to turn a phrase. Yeah, turn a phrase. We Let's see if we can coin that one. <laughs> now, if now, now if we had our own reality television show, we can start screaming at each other about it and make it realistic, right? That's right. Very realistic. Because reality, reality TV, reality is, real, TV Derek. is real, Derek. Come on. It's not fake. It's, it's not all fake. Real. It's all real. There's no scripts. None at all. No, none. We built a car in two weeks. You know, I'm, I'm going to well, go two, two weeks. I, I can do it in seven days. Well, I guess you're better than me. I need to go slam a door. Hang on. (laughs) (laughs) Throw a wrench. Punch a wall. My walls are foam. (laughs) Well, I guess we're discussing the reality of reality television and how real these these episodes are. We're three car people that we watch these things and we just pull our hair out and go, is the general public really that stupid? And I'm sorry, general public. You might be. It might not be nice, but we. Just... I don't. I don't think there's a might behind that. I just. I, I. Sorry. I think there's a lot of people that are just. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people are just naive to it. That. You know, they really think that that. That's how you do it. I mean, and it it sucks on on our end when somebody calls you and thinks that you can, you know, really build a car in, in a couple of weeks. Um, that That's the worst part about it. And, and people thinking that their car is worth a whole lot more than what it really is. Well, I don't know if reality TV really lends itself to that misappropriation of value. Some of the auction shows do contribute to that. But you're definitely right. Building a car in two weeks, building a car in one week, will steal your car on Sunday and give it back to you Saturday night, and it's completely restored and finished. And it's pretty rough. I had a friend who filmed a pilot for a motorcycle build show, and it's a motorcycle you built in 24 hours. You started, you went to the junkyard, you got a motorcycle, you put it together. 24 hours later, he had a finished motorcycle. They filmed in his shop for two and a half weeks. It was a couple hours a day. It real, you know, it was two and a half weeks rather than, tw- you know, twenty-four real hours. It just, you know, it's they just don't break it down right. It was twenty-four working hours while we filmed, I guess. Yeah, I I know in the early overhauling days where they were building cars in seven and eight days, they were they were really doing the work in that amount of time. But what people don't realize is that they still had, you know, a thousand hours in that build. 
it was just very, very, very well organized. You had all, everybody that was had their hands on that vehicle knew what they were doing. They were experts. There wasn't no redos. And granted, yeah, it's not finished at the highest quality, but they were really building them in a week, but they were still booking a thousand hours on them, you know? Um, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent on a thousand hours, but they were booking a lot of hours on them cars in seven days. I've said before, I estimate about 2000 hours for your average frame off restoration, which is what you're doing in basically overhauling. It's a frame off restoration to most of those cars. And okay, there's 2080 hours in a work year. So if I worked on that car every day, from the time I went in to the time I left without any gabbing or whatever, and all the parts were there, it takes me a year. You want to cut the time in half? You put two people on the car, that's six months. You put three people on the car, you're at four months. And you throw 100 people at a car like they did on overhaul, and it was very probable that you could do it. One of the rumors I heard about overhauling as they got longer into the season is it still was only a week on the car, but they'd get the car disassemble it in a day and figure out what was needed and then they'd shelve the car and then they would go on to the next car and over a course of a week take apart five cars and then the following week they would have parts to go to one car or or so on and you know they really did six days but it was six days over six weeks or something whether or not that's true or not I I don't know and it was just you know rumor and Reality television is not exactly in reality. True. Next next time I see Chip, I'll ask him. We're I wouldn't say we're we're good friends, but we'll go out of our way to talk to each other. So something we've never talked about was well, the only thing we did talk about was we we did talk about him, you know, being on TV a lot, and and he did say that was something that you know I didn't necessarily set out to do, but when it was made available to me, I jumped at the opportunity because now all my kids, college is paid for, my house is paid for, blah, 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 blah. And now I can sit back and I can build the cars that I really want to build for the people that I really want to work for. That was his reasoning for doing that was to get financially ahead in life. Well, instead of just picking on, let's say, you know, overhauling and in general, it, I've talked to, you know, talked to people in the restoration shops. And when I did commercial restoration, they watch the shows and they, you know, they see these cars done in a couple of weeks or they see them restored and they see them very little money invested into them. I used to work for a shop and it was $20,000 deposit. You give us 20 grand in six to eight months, we could start on your car. And the common question is, well, when you're done, do I get change? Will you give me back the rest of the money? And no, we'll probably send you four or five more bills. Because again, I think at the time we were $85 an hour. When I left, we were just over 100 bucks an hour. It's still 2,000 hours into that car. And you should be, if you're smart enough to have, to me, to have 20 grand in the bank, you should be able to multiply 100 by 2,000 and come up with, you got 200 grand in labor into that car. <laughs> and And they come back with, well, it's just a 56 Chevy pickup. It's not a Duesenberg. It doesn't matter. There's probably more parts on your 56 Chevy pickup than that Duesenberg. Exactly. So, yeah, the parts might be a little bit cheaper. 
but it's the same amount of work. If you want to make money on it, start with a card that's worth some money. That's right. Unfortunately, reality TV has kind of convinced people, and it's made it very good for the underhanded restoration shop, I would say, to get you, and you come in, and, oh, you know, it's a $10,000 deposit, and then they send you another bill for, say, another $5,000, and you're out of money, and you go pick up, you know, well, come pick up your car, and now you have a disassembled pile of bolts where a couple of weeks ago you would have, a couple of months ago, you would have had a complete car that at least you could have driven to the show or bummed around in. Now you just have a pile of parts that you can't do anything with. You have no clue what it is. You take it to another shop, you're going to spend five grand just for them to figure out what the parts are. Exactly. It, it's it's a really it's really a disservice that what these television shows do to the collector car hobby. Yep. And you know, going back to overhauling, that was actually a show that I I enjoyed watching overhauling. Um there were actually skilled craftsmen on the show. You could pick up some, you know, tips and tricks and because they were really building a car. Where a lot of these other shows, it appears that I don't know. It just it just it don't seem real. You know, I've I've had a couple of classes with Aaron Kaufman, who used to be on Gas Monkey, and I'm here to tell you right now, Aaron Kaufman is a legit dude. I mean, he he knows a ton about automobiles, suspension, handling. He's a very, very, very smart guy. So defend Aaron there for a minute. <laughs> I guess, you know, I I would watch overhauling periodically and, and Gas Monkey Garage and things like that. And as Will's saying, I think, you know, you could always kind of pick out the skilled people on the show versus the talent that they would hire, I think, to give the filler to the show but there were also the shows out there that you'd watch and in in everything that i think the three of us have probably learned in our training in the automotive world in restoration and fabrication in in the things that we deal with you would see things that were so far from the right method of doing something the worry is or at least the thing that always scared me was you know, you've got your hobbyists at home watching these shows, learning, air quotes there, learning these techniques that are not correct in any way, and, and it can actually do harm and damage to a vehicle and a restoration. And that was, I guess that's what's always kind of irritated me with reality TV. Maybe it's being a historian as well and, and someone that relies on factual information and primary sources and, and all those things. But, you know, if you're going to teach someone something, teach it right. Don't teach it to where they're going to damage a vehicle they're working on or take away from the, even the structural integrity in some cases of one of these vehicles that are being restored. And that's, I mean, that's always been one of my kind of problems with some of these reality TV, TV shows is the almost the lack of knowledge of proper techniques. But like Will's saying, there's also very talented people on some of these shows 
that unfortunately I think sometimes get overshadowed by the, you know, loudmouth actor that's been hired or, you know, is there to make the show more dramatic. That's, I think, a shame because if these shows are going to be out there doing this, they should be showing how this needs to be done and should be done so that, you know, people can learn and, and understand these processes. Yeah, I'm, I haven't talked to Aaron. I don't really know Aaron. I just know that I've taken a couple of suspension classes with him. But I would be willing to bet the reason he left the show was so he could do things the right way. And not saying that they wasn't doing things the right way, but actually finish a project out. Because they don't have time to really make something what it should be on these TV shows. They just, you can't film having a car being built for two years and then make a, an hour long show out of it. It just, there's no possible way to do that. Your production cost is just way too high. So they have to build a car in, you know, in a month or so or several weeks. And, you know, you just have to rush things that, at the end of the day, you feel guilty about, and you know, if if I was, if I was willing to bet, I would say that's that's probably the main reason that Aaron left the show, was just because of the rush jobs and the the quality wasn't where he wanted the quality to be. Yeah, and I think there's a big difference in some of these reality TV shows because you do have the things like Gas Monkey Garage that's just about drinking beer and screaming everything that happens on that show versus some of the other shows where, you know, what you're talking about, Will, they've got projects that are going on for two years, a year, two years, whatever it's taking. They film multiple projects going on and turn that into episodes. Those tend to be the ones that I see that are doing a better job of actually showing the process of restoration or the process of these skills that are being used to do what needs to be done. So I think there's a, a big difference in in some of the shows, and I don't think we want to lump all these shows together into, wow, these are horrible. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's different levels. And I think it's like anything we talk about. I think you have to take everything with that grain of salt and judge it on what you're seeing. I've had the fortune to meet Peter Clute a couple of times, and he do, he used to do a show called Dream Car Garage with Tom Natgau. Unfortunately, Tom we lost Tom a couple of years ago, and Peter produced his own show, and he produced the show that we want. He would follow the his painstaking restorations through, and it would be you know they'd be season long projects. They wouldn't be thirty minutes. The car's done. He he did some nice things at the end. He's re-brought back his show and self-produces it mm -hmm. again with his son. It's a lot more of the buying and selling and kind of a Wayne Carini type show now. But I still think he, he portrays a little bit of honesty. And Peter's a self-made man. And the fact he's kind of writing the check for the show and he's not having to answer to the producers, which is nice to see, he's portraying a really good show. And I, I've always enjoyed watching his shows. You go back to reality television, I don't know where it began, but I think we all remember the show Junkyard Wars. And yes, 
will admit, show was a little bit set up and staged with things hidden in the junkyard to help the contestants out. But those guys honestly built whatever it was in a weekend and completed their obstacle course or failed to complete their obstacle course. And I really wish somebody could bring back the honesty that Junkyard Wars provided, even if it was something I had to watch on YouTube every week. And even Monster Garage was another one like that. That was... uh... That was a pretty cool show. Well, one thing about uh, Junkyard Wars is when they created the U.S. version of it, I've heard an interview with Jesse James from Monster Garage where he went. He was actually given the host job, but when they Americanized the show, he stayed for like two days of filming, and he said, I'm done with this, and walked off the set. He had never been on TV before. You know, this was a make-or-break thing. And while he sensationalized himself a little bit over the years, having never met the man, he's he knows what he's doing and he doesn't talk out his butt a lot. He makes his points and things, but he's not the hero he portrays himself to be, but he's probably one of the more honest people out there. He's a legit guy, yeah. I have a pretty good relationship with, and well, first we had the show when I was younger, Shade Tree Mechanic, and Sam and... I can't remember the other host's name. And they would do honest car repairs in this half hour. And then when they got older and retired, Brian Fuller stepped into that position. And Brian is an interesting character. I know him personally. I've worked alongside him in classes and things. He's taught some classes at events that I've managed. And he knows what he's doing. He's very TV. He's very over the top. He's he's a good combination between that TV person and somebody who knows how he's doing or what he's doing, and he cares about the work he's doing. He taught a welding class uh, at the museum a couple of years ago. It, it really wasn't a class. It was a one-hour seminar. He sat down for 45 minutes, and you got to see Brian Fuller TIG weld. doesn't sound exciting, but I talked to a father and son that were at that event, and the, he, the son was all enamored. He might have been 9 or 10 years old at the time. Love Brian Fuller, and oh, it's a TV star. Well, I encouraged the, them to sit through one of these classes. Like, oh, no, we, you know, we don't need to do that. I said, just sit through it. What do you got to lose? It's 45 minutes. It's your only ch- shot. At the end of that 45 minutes, little child goes up and, you know, talks to Brian and 15 minutes, 20 minutes later, Brian's still there, arms wrapped around the kid, helping him TIG weld. They're friends to this day, and the the child, Zeke, has built his own motorcycle by 12, 13 years old, has built his own motorcycle, is building another one, has learned metal fabrication, and has kept this close relationship with Brian. And while, like I said, Brian's an over-the-top reality TV person, he has an honest heart, and I think that's the hard part is I think a lot of these guys, even the Tuttles, I think have honest passions about what they have, but they're brought into this TV sensationalistic world, and it makes us lose respect for them because, oh, we've got to have you argue, we've got to have your fighting, and you know, in the Tuttles' case, it destroyed the family. In Aaron and Richard Rawlings' case, it destroyed their friendship. Possibly. We don't know the whole story behind everything. But I think they're, you know, all of them are really honest-to-goodness guys, but some let the TV and the money come to them, and some of them are car people, and some people are able to balance it. While reality TV 
harms us in the industry. I don't think the the people are as bad as we want to make make them out to be. No, I I agree with that, John. I mean, I don't I don't think we should hold anything against anybody on the shows. As we've said, there's a lot of them that are very talented people. They are knowledgeable in what they do and but it is the americanized version of television that creates these dramatic situations where in some tv shows you know we've read about it and and heard about it i'm sure you know john as much as as i have you know they actually bring people in that are essentially actors or you know people to be the people that stir up problems and make the people who are maybe not actors on, you know, they're actually the skilled people at the shop kind of get them more dramatic and more exciting in the, in the show than most of us that do any of this work tend to be. Um, you know, we're all technical people. We don't always have the great theatrical performance ability that um, some people have. And yeah, you know, I'm going to go back because you talked about Peter Clute. Uh, you know, I've had the good fortune to be on Peter's show once, talk to him and show him around uh, one of the museums I worked at, talk to him about a car. He is genuinely interested in the cars, in the history, in everything about them, the technical details, the all everything. I mean, he's just a genuine car guy and has a as you say a self-made shop that is doing great work he self-produces the show which allows him to keep it the way he wants to portray it in within reason you know each each person in these reality tv shows has their place that the you know company that is producing these shows wants them to have so like you say, we can't hold it against them because they're essentially not producing something for the industry they're actually in, be it automotive restoration, hot rods, that world. These episodes are producing something and turning out a product for television. Although, as I said earlier, it's a little worrisome when they're showing things and they're not showing them to their full extent or being done correctly because then people pick up bad information or bad habits, you know, we do have to kind of be careful in how much we judge things because it is a product for television. It's not the product of the automobile they're working on. Again, I still find some of it to be unnecessary in what they do on those shows. I'll totally agree with you is this over-the-top sensationalism that the show's are built around that the American public won't, won't watch a show without this infighting and screaming. And I think that's one reason that kind of we do a podcast, the YouTube community so good, is you can go on YouTube and produce the car show you want or the maker event you want or any of the video content you want without that overbearing television persona having to come through and the producers telling you what you need to be doing and fortunately, I support the YouTube community that way. Is they you can get some really honest shows and production, you know, off of YouTube. Again, 
buyer beware, whatever you watch, some of the best safety practices aren't necessarily taught there. They're a little bit better on, say, this old house where you've got to wear your safety glasses and read the owner's manual and things like that. A lot of the shows, the people are quality, and unfortunately, they get lost in the TV hype. The other side of what is really not reality TV, but TV that portrays itself, I guess I have to say, like the History Channel and portrays history, when they do these shows that are supposed to display history the way it was, and they're missing facts. There was one on recently, and they're talking about Henry Ford and the development of the Model A, and the car in the background's a 1903 curved dash Oldsmobile. There's issues there. Is Television's not where you need to learn about your cars, is I guess what it comes down to. You can get some decent information. A lot of the things in that series of shows that, say, History Channel did... There was a show on history two years ago about uh, Harley-Davidson. And they're sitting around a table in 1903, the year Harley-Davidson was created. And the statement was made, well, do it Henry Ford's way and paint them all black. Well, we, we discussed a couple episodes ago, Model T's didn't go to being all black cars until 10 years after that. Those little bits of history just drive us... I want to say historians, crazy. I'll say it. Yeah, it's it's horrible. It's it's ridiculous. Also, coming from the job I'm in, being a curator, having to get some of that history across to visitors to a museum, you have a very limited amount of time to try to get information across. Now, I make sure that what I put on our the labels and, and put out in front of the public is accurate historic information. What I'm getting at is I understand that these shows are trying to condense a lot of history into an hour episode or a couple hour episode or mini series. But yeah, when you do get down to the fact of what you're showing, uh, especially on television, I mean, you're using visual history as well as the audio, you know, discussion, you know, like you said, John, you know, you got a curved dash olds, you know, come on, show the right car. You know, the men who built America was on. That was three years ago. Three or four. Yeah, three years ago. And they talked about the race between Alexander Winton and Henry Ford on October 10th, 1901. In the show, they're showing basically 1909, 1910 era cars racing. I actually know the two cars. But the the thing is, is they didn't take the time to look back and realize that that race had been pseudo recreated at Henry Ford Museum using a replica of the sweepstakes that Henry Ford was racing and a 1901 Winton that looked very similar to the car that Alexander Winton was racing that day. The video was already there. All they would have had to do was pay to use it. And it drives me crazy. If as a historian, again, I like to show things as they were. I mean, a lot of people make fun of me because, or maybe make fun of me isn't the right word. No, it is. People make fun of me. Um, <laughs> I don't make fun of you. Even when, <laughs> yeah, you do. Sh- shut up, Will. This is a reality. This is a reality podcast. Okay. 
just just you know get back to work before i you know shove my size 10 up you 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 ain't man enough um you ain't man enough (laughs) bring it on (laughs) but (laughs) but even when i go to run my own cars even when i go to run my early cars i try not to have anything modern on them I, i i try very hard when i run a museum car when I run one of my cars, they are running on what they had in the year they're built, because that is how we truly show how these cars ran. You know, if you take 1903 Ford or, uh, you know, 1901 Winton or whatever is out there, and you put a better ignition system in it, and you put, and you convert it from, uh, let's say, make and break ignition to a spark plug ignition, you're not showing the true history. And I think that's, you know, getting back to these reality TV shows, they lose the focus of showing the reality of history because they have a, such a condensed time period to do it in. But I think that's neglectful on their part. As a historian, it drives me nuts and crazy and all the things that it can be. And I yell at my TV a lot, so. <laughs> I'd like to see that. <laughs> Does the TV talk back? Only until I throw the remote at it. (laughs) Frequent trips to Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, one of the worst shows of all time was Rides with Funk Master Flex. Do y'all remember that show? Rides with Funkmaster Flex. Yeah, you, you know the rapper Funkmaster Flex or the DJ or whatever. Yeah, but he was never on Rides. No, it was that was the name of the show. Rides with Funkmaster Flex. No, there were two. T- oh, that was, a, it was that was a whole title. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was. On, it was I think it was on MTV. It was kind of like a Pimp My Ride type of thing, you know. That explains it. I, I don't think I was allowed to watch MTV when I was a kid. Man, I tell you, it's this has always stuck out in my head. They brought in a, oh man, what was it? It was like a 67 Nova, I think, Chevy 2. And it had a uh, 300 or 365 horse 327 in it, you know. And it looked right at home in that car. And there was nothing wrong with it. You know, it was running fine. And they pulled out the 327 and put in one of them Mexican block crate motor 350s. <laughs> Dude, I about come unglued. I'm like, you're, you're killing the whole awesomeness of this car. You just you just murdered it, you know? And, man, they did that on everything. They pulled everything out and put in a 350. Oh, it was, it was a bad show to watch. Bad. Anyway, I'm, I'm over my... My rant. (laughs) (laughs) Are you, Will? Are you? I'm still trying to remember. Watch. I I think I probably wasted 25 minutes on that show at some point in my life, but. Clearly, I never did because I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. (laughs) You you were aware of Rides, which I can't remember who the host was of that one, but that was a semi-intelligent show. That that was an awesome show. Wasn't that? 
And wasn't that um, Jason Priestley that hosted that? That might have been. I, he was part of it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, Foose was involved with it. Uh, Troy Trepanier. Yeah, Foose, Troy. Yeah. The the only the only vehicle that was built on that show that was just kind of, um, to me, stupid was um, they were at Scott's Hot Rods in, in, I think his shop's in Anaheim. And they had a 56, 7 Chevrolet big back window truck. And they cut the top off of it and made a roadster out of it. I'm like, dude, really? You, you had to take a big window? I mean, come on. I was ho- kind of hoping you would go after Joe Rogan's CUDA or something on there so I could use Joe Rogan as one of our tags this week. But... <laughs> I have to admit, Well, there you go. Joe, you just brought him up. There you using him. <laughs> I'll, I'll touch on that car for a minute. Uh, I believe the car was named Sick Fish, and it was built by Troy Trepanier. Yep. Um, a little quick insight on that. Troy wants everything. He, he don't hardly ever use paint a car one solid color. It's always a two-tone or a three-tone with a cool stripe and really earth-tony colors. You know, it's just kind of Troy's style. So when Troy came out with that car and it was solid silver, everybody was like, what? And uh, I think that was one of the stipulations that uh, uh, that Joe had was, that, you know, it had to be solid silver, you know. But everything else Troy could do, but it had to be solid silver. There you go. There's there's your there's your Joe Rogan tag. And I thought I was the boring one on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I may not know what an Overland is, but... I can name an iconic cot riding who built it in a backstory, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the that's the cool thing about being in this in this career and in this field, and the three of us being in different places is we all have kind of a different backstory, and and you know different people we know that, and in this case, that are involved in reality TV, and we can tell some of the backstories. You know, John and I know Peter. Clute can talk about him and uh well yeah will you know everyone else some of the guys and i'm so, i'm sorry well if we're we're talking about and picking on a lot of these shows we've obviously in, kind of endorsed peter's show dream car garage I, it's still called that i believe no no it's it's legendary yeah, motor yes it now. is it's named after a shop now yeah. Now, before before you jump I, you said something a little earlier john and i and i just want to briefly throw it out there. We don't have to get into a deep discussion on it, but you brought up this old house and talked about, you know, you see them wearing their safety glasses all the time, you know, very, very safety conscious. Do we feel like all reality TV shows have the same issue? I mean, does, or is this just in the automotive industry or does it just bug us more because it's in our, our industry? Um, you know, like, episodes of this old house or you know some of the other reality shows out there where they fix up houses things like that do we feel that they're the way the automotive ones are or are the automotive ones i almost feel like thinking about it the automotive ones seem unique in the fact that or at least let's say the you know the automotive motorcycle you know orange county choppers gas monkey Gras, all these different ones I feel like they tend to have more of the drama and the fighting and the yelling 
than any of the other reality TV shows I've seen. Is that do you guys see that or is that just me? It depends where you're marketing to. I mean, Monster House was a little little off the wall. I've been around some of the productions of some of the Home and Garden television reality shows and it's amazing how long they will and how many takes they will shoot for an impromptu argument scene in the street. You know, this designer's arguing with the homeowners trying to defend her decision and this is take 17. Yeah, I think we're hi- highly sensitive to it in the car world and the car shows because that's the life we choose and it's what we're passionate about. But I can sit in the living room with the girls and they'll watch their, uh, what do I want to say, their makeup shows or RuPaul's Drag Race or, and they will have their own critiques about it and certain things. But then again, I sit down and I watch Forged in Fire where they make, it's foundry work and they're forging knives. That's a badass show. I think it's a decent show, but I don't forge. I'm sure I could sit down with a blacksmith and they'd pick that show apart too. Yeah, I think we're highly sensitive to it, but it doesn't have the drama. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really have the drama and the screaming. I mean, it's got, it will cue, but, you know, they have their tag tag things. It does cross all television, but that's because that's what the producers think we want. I would much rather sit down and watch a show that is somebody knowledgeable and will teach me something honestly. And because I get a little bit of that from, from YouTube right now, but you know, stuff on the DIY network and things on HGTV and we'll go velocity. It's more of an entertainment show. Now, now wait, did, did you just say YouTube or YouTube? Because I mean, a huge compliment to Will and I, if you said YouTube, <laughs> yeah. that, that'd be awesome. We'll just let let you learn in the uh, the release. <laughs> Touching back on that Forged in Fire show, I actually attended the Blade Show uh, in Atlanta this year, which was which was pretty freaking cool. Uh, just to see another industry trade show like that, you know, obviously the ones mainly the ones that I go to are automotive related. Man, I tell you, the a lot of the Forged in Fire guys were there. From what I could take in that industry there, that that show's actually accepted pretty good. The only thing is like the the blacksmith trait, it's almost kind of a secretive thing, you know. You don't you don't really tell people your tricks of the trade and whatnot. So really the only thing that I could really pick up was some of the guys that's been doing it a long time that has developed their skill they don't really like that some of the the tips and tricks are are given away. Um, but as far as the people that are on it, you know, it, it's a pretty realistic deal and it seemed pretty well respected in the, in the industry at the Blade Show this year. Like I say, I don't hang out with too many blacksmiths. I really kind of want to. It's just usually hot. And out, <laughs> it's hot. Alabama and heat, they just don't go well together. So <laughs> We've come to a point where we've kind of picked on the shows you would ex- expect us to pick on. We've complimented, as I was saying, you know, Peter Klute's show, Legendary Motor Cars. Is there... Other shows 
out there that we think are good. I mean, I watch Jay Leno's Garage, and I, I have to be honest, I force myself to watch it. I mean, he presents decent car knowledge, but it's kind of over-the-top sensationalism because he's got to be Jay Leno over-the-top sensationalism. He does provide some pretty good information in that show and shows you some interesting things. On the flip side, I've watched some of Jeff Dunham's YouTube videos about his cars, and I think Jeff's new to the industry, and he's beginning to, well, he's new to this video and coming into fame and fortune. I mean, he's been around for a few years, but he's beginning to enjoy, and he seems to be a little bit more passionate about the car hobby or portrays it in a different way. It's not that over the top, it's that middle class down home. It's not the I have a hundred car car collection. Do we have other shows that we kind of go to if we want to sit down and watch something that stimulates our brain or are we completely at a loss? The the only automotive show that I DVR and don't laugh at me is Street Outlaws. I know a lot of that is scripted, but the racing on that show is is it's real. You know, yeah, they got the street blocked off, I know. Yeah, they got lights up, I know. But they're still running thousand to two thousand horsepower cars on the street, and to me that interests me. And a lot of the arguing and fussing and fighting and all of that goes along with street racing. Granted, I used to street race a little bit back back in the day, and that you know that's part of it. I mean, you you try to get another guy's head, uh, whether it's talking about money or just you know you're going drag his tail or you know whatever that that's just kind of the whole part of the game and uh but yeah i I enjoy that show street outlaws i like the the original one i'm not a fan of the new orleans one uh but i you know i think it's uh i think it's a pretty cool show to watch and then if i want to know you know something car oriented or or watch something decent about cars i just i always find my way back to to youtube and watching scotty d Uh, that's just the way i am right now yeah and unfortunately i mean i've just become disappointed in television and, and reality tv i don't even know what the last show i watched was i really don't watch any reality tv shows anymore I don't even watch, like I say, the History Channel uh, episodes on automotive history. I didn't even watch the most recent one that you uh, discussed uh, earlier, John. Everybody's been asking me, oh, did you watch it? Did you watch it? And all I've heard from people is how inaccurate things were and how bad things were. So I don't even bring myself to watch it because I'd rather go out in the garage and work on something, you know, not be frustrated by TV that doesn't give correct information like i say disappointing uh, in watching it and i guess there's not really many shows that interest people other than me that discuss you know cars that were built before 1920 so uh, again i i guess i just don't like it (laughs) (laughs) let me go against the chat rooms and the facebook pages and stuff on that history channel show um and I unfortunately, I can't remember the name of it. I'm sure it's being replayed 16,000 times. If you knew nothing about cars, or you knew a little bit about cars, it is worth watching. 
you will be educated, you will learn stuff. Be prepared to be corrected by those that know the timelines, if you pay attention to the show, are wrong. I really liked how the, towards in the third episode, the, and that's where my expertise really falls, 70s and 80s, and we're talking Lee Iacocca and John DeLorean, how Lee Iacocca invented the minivan and brought out the minivan, you know, his second or third big score, and how the minivan saved Chrysler. And that came out in 1985, where it came out in 1984. And it allowed them to pay back the government bailout loans early. And then they show a picture of the check, and the check's dated 1983. They hadn't sold a minivan by 1983. And then they jumped to the John, John DeLorean cocaine bust, which I believe happened in 1982. And, you know, they had the DeLorean being produced alongside the Dodge Daytona which didn't come out until 84, and the DeLorean, you know, the timelines were extremely wrong. Some of the, the imagery was incorrect, but what was explained was 90% correct, and that's still an A in today's world. I don't understand why, but even if it's 80% correct, it's still a passing grade. So I'd give it a passing grade for something on the History Channel that should have been well-researched, and they had some pretty big, pretty big names do some guest speaking appearances on that. It should have, somebody should have said something. I guess I'll leave it, I'll leave it there. And we've, I think we've had a surprising conversation about, correct me if I'm wrong, on reality TV where we. You're wrong, John. You're wrong. You, you just want to say that every week. One week you'll be right, but it doesn't happen very often. You know, we criticize reality TV, but we think we defended some good in it. We... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there is some... you. There's some good there. You just have to look for it. And there, there's some good people that are, that are there, too. You know, Chip Foose is one of the nicest guys you'll ever want to meet. Um, Aaron Kaufman, one of the nicest guys you ever want to meet. You know, the guys off, ah, oh, crap, what is it? Something is the new black. You know, that that's, uh, those guys are, are really nice guys. So, you know, here we go again. The, the, the guys that are on it a lot of times are nice people, just like real car guys are, you know? Yeah, like I said, I think they're, they're all really good people, or the majority of them start out. It's, if you go into it respecting the hobby, and keep keep check on yourself. It stays good, and you're you're a car person to the heart. Unfortunately, so much of this stuff gets blown out of proportion when the you know the money starts rolling in, and the girls or the guys start showing up, and you know they 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 lose sight of they lose sight of reality, and then unfortunately their persona gets too big for, and you you can't you can't check it, and by the time you realize how far gone you've gone, you've lost all the respect to the general public. Uh, Speed is the new black. That's that show. Those those guys are good dudes. Well, we're at at a point where we'll go ahead and wrap up the episode. Do either one of you have a recommendation or stuff? I know we've got, uh, I think Derek traveling this coming weekend to Dearborn. That that's or is that? Yeah, I'll be traveling up to uh, Dearborn, Michigan, to Henry Ford Museum in Greenfield Village uh, for the Old Car Festival and uh, do some narrating there of the early cars in the pass and review. 
And I guess I'll, I'll, as John and I always say, we don't usually talk about work and, and where we work, but yeah, we just opened on Monday a new t- temporary exhibit at the National Corvette Museum uh, entitled Kentucky 225 Years on the Move. It's a look at transportation history in Kentucky over the last 225 years, which is it's the anniversary of statehood this year, 2017. So uh, put together an interesting collection and, and exhibit of vehicles and various transportation-related artifacts that runs through May of next year. So plenty of time to come see it. Yeah, we're proud of what we put together, so I'm going to promote it this one show. Will, you're going to Bowling Green, are you not? Yeah, yeah I am. I'll be uh, I'll be in Bowling Green uh, Friday and Saturday, I believe. I think it's over Saturday night. Uh, to Holly's. That's why I'm leaving town. <laughs> yeah. It ain't big enough. That town ain't big enough for the both of us, huh? <laughs> uh, for Holly's LS Fest, so anything with the uh, LS motor is welcome. Um, so I'll be driving up one of our one of our projects we built here at the shop. So that's where uh, that's where I'll be. By the way, I'm I'm going to take care of Derek's house while I'm there. It's getting close to Halloween. I might as well go ahead and roll his yard and do all that stuff, right? Wow. Just decorate. I was gonna say, what what do you mean by take care of my house? Which 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 meaning is that? <laughs> I guess you'll find out on Sunday night when you get home. <laughs> uh, it's the Halloween reference that has me worried. Come home to a body or two in the kitchen. Oh, <laughs> uh, those LS guys are rough. Make make, yeah, Stur- make make Sturgis look like a preschool, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Hey, it all makes for good TV, good reality TV. Except Will will drive his car back home. He won't make his his shop lackey do it and uh, fly home. No, I, I'm not going to drive there and fly home. I will drive there and drive back. That's a reality TV reference that some of you will know. But and me, I'll I'll be at home. I'm not doing anything this coming weekend. I uh, really don't, again, have anything to to plug or discuss. I'll just say that um, you can help the show out that if you uh, go to our website, if you're going to buy, say, anything on Amazon.com, just go ahead and go to the web, go to our website, click any of the links there for any of the products, and then go ahead. You don't have to buy that product that you click. Just go ahead and buy something, and it throws a few cents our way, does nothing to affect you. You still get your products and stuff just as cheap, but it's something Amazon likes. It's a referral program, and just check us out on that. But that's where we'll leave it tonight, and we'll talk to you guys later.